Hey, I'd like to welcome you to another episode of Mission Matters. My name is Adam Torres, and if you'd like to apply to be a guest on the show, just head on over to missionmatters.com and click on Apply to Become a Guest. All right, so today I have Mark Elenowitz on the line, and he's Managing Director over at Digital Offering, LLC. Mark, welcome to the show. Thanks, Adam. It's really great. I appreciate you having me here. All right, Mark. So uh, excited to talk today about alternative financing options and really the work that's going on over at Digital Offering and also how you're helping, you know, structure IPOs. Um, and we're also going to be going to the to the microcap conference together. So we'll, we'll talk more about that and much more. But uh, just to get us kicked off, Mark, we're going to start this interview the way that we start them all with what we like to call our Mission Matters Minute. So, Mark, we at Mission Matters, we amplify stories for entrepreneurs, executives, and experts. That's our mission. Mark, what mission matters to you? Well, Adam, my mission is probably somewhat with the same of, of yours at creating that that mission for entrepreneurs. But specifically, what I look to do is I look to empower entrepreneurs to create the future by powering them for capital formation. There are so many entrepreneurs that have great ideas and great concepts, but don't have the capital in order to execute. So what we do at Digital Offering is give them the tools, the capital, and the means necessary for them to be able to achieve their goals and visions and dreams, which ultimately creates a new future for all of us. Fantastic. And great having you on the show today. First off, I mean, hey, we're both going to the MicroCap conference. Tell me more. I know that you're a speaker there. What what are some of the things that you, you hope to present? Well, Adam, I've been a banker now for going on 33 years, and I've seen so many different variations of the capital markets. And what I'm talking about at the MicroCap conference, as well as a little bit about today, is really the future of the small cap IPO. And, and what I like to say is bringing back the small cap IPO. We've always seen Wall Street dominate where the privileged, the institutions, the elite got first access to opportunities. And we had a new change in regulation that occurred in 2015 that changed that landscape. It truly democratized the ability for retail investors to get opportunities to invest in exciting new growth ventures. And, and like I said, with my mission, the mission is to allow now retail and Main Street to finally invest side by side with Wall Street and empower these entrepreneurs to success. And with that, that's really what I'm going to be talking about. And I can give your audience a little bit of that background if that's something that would be helpful. Yeah, I think that would be that would probably be our most likely starting point is really like that shift. Like, how did that take place? So Wall Street itself has been and, and really the securities laws have been around since 1933. And when people think of IPOs, the standard that you think of is an S1. An S1 would be what you would look at as a form of registration with the Securities and Exchange Commission. And it's the way that basically all IPOs have been done since 1933. And what mm -hmm. happened in 2015 is we saw something called the Jobs Act come out. And there were three areas of Jobs Acts. Areas that a lot of people are familiar with is something called crowdfunding, which was Title III or Reg CF. But there was mm -hmm. something called Title IV, which was Reg A+. And when I looked at Reg A+, I saw a light bulb go off where this was a great opportunity to modernize the way Wall Street communicates with the public. In a traditional IPO, you have rules and regulations that limit the ability to communicate with the street. 
certain types of disclosures and certain types of communication, which is called Rule 134, which limits the ability for investors to get real-time information. In fact, issuers go into what's called a quiet period. And what Reg A did is it changed that. It allowed the ability for issuers to go out and be loud and proud and be able to communicate mm-hmm. in a modern technique. So instead of a black and white prospectus, now you have the ability to use videos and social media posts and other types of distribution points. We all live on our phones today. We're all yeah. real time. We're in, we're in instant gratification world. So how can you be involved in an opportunity where the company goes quiet other than ordinary course of business disclosure? So Reggae mm-hmm. changed that. And then think of it, take it a step further, where you as an investor rely on institutions to price transactions and to do due diligence. But with Reg A, you can now have a video or a live stream or a webinar or a webcast where I as the CEO could be walking through my factory and demonstrating the widgets and taking people on a virtual show and a virtual ability to go in and actually see how this product is made or how that project is marketed. So it really modernized the ability for investors now to get access to real-time information and a more visual experience. So when I thought of this idea, I went down to the New York Stock Exchange and I said, I've got this great idea. I'd like to do this, this, and that. And they looked at me and they said, are you crazy? We're the New York Stock Exchange. We don't do that. And isn't that the nonsense flying cars and all these other type of opportunities? And I ended up sitting with their market reg for a couple hours and explained it to them. And they understood what I was talking about. So our firm, or rather my predecessor firm, but myself, I created the methodology where we did the first, in fact, the only two onto the New York Stock Exchange, IPOs, that is, using this modern technique. And we've done several onto NASDAQ. And what's unique about our type of methodology is that our offerings are not only limited to institutions, but actually we don't let institutions dominate the transaction. They're 90 95% by Main Street. So we have thousands of investors that participate, investors that believe in the future of the business and not are stock flippers or traders. They're buying 500 to $1,500, and they're participating mm-hmm. and giving the company the money to execute their business plan for that entrepreneur to create that next widget and to create the future, exactly what the mission was. Hmm. And I think what I'd like to do, Mark, is this is going to be big news and completely new news to some of the entrepreneurs that are listening to this. And maybe they have it and now they're thinking, well, wait a minute, I never even thought that this was a potential for me to go this route to take my company public or do an IPO. Like maybe they, you know, they thought that that was was only for the, the, the largest of large companies and didn't match what they were looking to do. Like maybe talk a little bit more about just some of the types of companies that doesn't have to be a specific company, but when you're talking to um, founders or that are considering IPO or going and the IPO route, maybe have a little bit of the discussion that you normally have with them when they're kind of deciding if that's the route they want to go. Because I feel like for some people listening, this will be definitely new news for them. Absolutely. So uh, typically what we like to do is is we sit down and we look for companies that have a consumer-facing or a large affinity group, customer base, or following, where we turn investors into – or rather, we turn customers into investors.
investors and investors into customers. So it's two bites at the apple. And I'm going to give you an example mm-hmm. of a company that we brought public, which was Fat Brands. And as a matter of disclosure, I currently sit on the board of Fat Brands. And Fat mm-hmm. Brands was, is, uh, they own Fat Burger, they own Johnny Rockets, Twin Peaks, Smoky Bones, and a whole slew of other, other types of fast casual and restaurants. And the idea here was that you would go in and you eat your burger and you would have this great meal and you'd say, wow, I really wish I could own a piece of that. And now with the type of methodology we have, you can. So you could, Mm. at that checkout, scan a QR code, go directly into a, a website and now be able to buy that stock into the IPO. So what we look for and what we would recommend the issuers that are listening, do you have a a brand that is consumer facing? Do you have a brand that your followers want to become owners? And utilizing this methodology, you're able to amplify the distribution of both your product and the second product, which is going to be your stock. If you're a complex biotech that has a glass of water that's going to cure cancer and it's going to take you 40 minutes to explain the, the molecules and the methodology, yeah. <laughs> lost the audience. This yeah. needs to be a 30-second video on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or all the other distribution points that an investor sees it, understands the story in, in a simple manner, and then is driven to a site where they can get all the disclosure, the risk factors, understanding mm-hmm. the investments, the pros, the cons, and everything about the company. But it's being able to to channel that investor to learn more and to get the opportunity to read the documents. And if you've mm-hmm. lost them at the beginning, you're never going to get them at the end. Yeah. And this goes back to, I mean, this is just a modern, in my opinion, a modern feel of like the old Warren Buffett, like, or many investors, like invest in what you know. So now if somebody actually wants to invest in what they know, like and when they're having maybe that dining experience, like you mentioned, like it speeds that up because the likelihood that somebody's going to, you know, with all the things that we have coming at us from many different ways, the likelihood that they're going to go home, you know, look at a, try and find a prospectus or like this and that and start like digging like in today's age, that's pretty slim to none in my opinion. What do you think? I agree with you completely. And that's why. We and we're currently involved with about ten different underwritings. We work with companies, and by the way, this is not just limited to companies that are looking to go public. That are for existing companies to be able to tap their share their existing shareholder base as well as their customer base mm-hmm. in order to do follow-on offerings that are new and innovative that are less dilutive than the current structures that the small cap community and Wall Street's offering today. I mean, most mm-hmm. people don't realize that we've seen the big market do quite well over the last year, but the last year and a half, the small cap market, it's been a disaster. Now, that, too, mm-hmm. brings opportunity because things work in cycles. But what we saw is that in the follow-on and in, in the IPO market, transactions have gone from being larger in nature to being much smaller. Most IPOs that are being done are between 4 and $6 million. I mean, we're going mm-hmm. back to like 80s size. Yeah. And they're structured finance, which means they come with unit offerings, with warrants and pre-funded warrants and all these uh, structures that enable the institution to do well, but the company and the retail investors get harmed. So we've implemented the same methodology that we're using for our IPOs, which, by the way, are in the anywhere from the 10 to $25 million range without structure, meaning no warrants or units or anything like that. And we're using it now for companies that have been destroyed in their stock price. We've got three issuers that are clients of ours right now that are on NASDAQ. These are good consumer-facing retail 
companies that have been growing nicely, have strong revenue, and are doing well, but their stock prices have gone from $100 million, $200 million, $80 million market caps to two, three, five million dollars. It's ridiculous. And it's not mm-hmm. because of the fundamentals of the business. It's because of the structure that the bankers put in forth. So we use a methodology where we use a non-traded asset class that disconnects from the common stock and allows the company to raise money from a retail investor, just like the IPO, mm-hmm. and utilize that money to grow their business. And then with that capital, in time, the fundamentals will rise, and then the common stock would be able to recognize that the company is undervalued and is in strong mm. financial footing. So it's a win-win for both sides. And that's something we'll be yeah. talking about at the microcap conference as well. Hmm, that's great. So in your experience, I mean, you've done, I mean, you've worked with, as you mentioned, you know, a lot of companies. Um, let's go. This is, this is my part where I like to go in the dreamer mode for a moment. So we talked a little bit about some of the technical stuff, but like if I was a, a fly on your wall, what are some of the things that maybe some of these companies have used some of that additional capital for that has helped them either expand or like just in general? Like, let me, let me be a fly on your wall for the moment. Like, what are so some I'm of the I'm going to give you a real life example. So we have Wonderful. a company called Sky Quarry. So Sky Quarry is a company that utilizes shingles that come off your home instead mm. of being thrown into a landfill. They're recycled. And they're converted into, they're basically the oil is extracted from them. So we did a capital raise for the company about a little over a year and a half ago and raised 18 and a half million from over 8,000 investors. So this mm-hmm. was a non-traded public offering utilizing this methodology that we just laid out. The company used that money and was able to grow their business and make an acquisition of a uh, refinery and processing facility. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about a company that grew from basically nothing. And this year we'll do, just finishing up the year, we'll do closer to 50, 60 million in revenue. We filed <laughs> wow. last week an IPO using this methodology where the company will utilize, well, it's actually another public offering because they're already public and since that yeah. we did the first one, so it's not an initial public offering, but it will be a listing onto NASDAQ. And that will come out sometime in April. So we saw the capital that was raised gave the entrepreneur the ability to utilize that capital. They've been able to grow the business, and now we've been able to get them into a position. There was a a small private round that was done in between that gave them even further capital. But now they'll be coming public and being, by the time, if they continue their path, they'll really be able to execute and be able to see that their revenue and their capacity and everything has grown all from that initial dollar that came in a year and a half ago. It's a classic Mm. story of success. Wow, that's amazing. And it was raised from over 8,000 investors and, and not, and I'm not arguing what I know different situations call for different measures. So some people may go this route. Some people may go some other routes, but just to kind of play with the scenario a little bit, an alternative, if they were going to do this would have been maybe to go to, you know, private equity or to go to, you know, another route where they're, you know, a venture capital or something else. I'm just trying to like, they might've gone other routes, but instead in my mind, you know, they went this route and essentially they also gave on the other side of the thing of this whole equation, you know, 8,000 people or however many the end, the final most and um, investor pool was 
8,000 people the opportunity to participate in the growth and in the viability of the company. Am I kind of off on this or? No, you're exactly right. And and the difference is when you go with one or two institutions or venture capital or private equity, those come with pref rights and control. The entrepreneur is basically, uh, I don't want to say handcuffed, but depending on what the instrument and the structure is, there are, are barriers that would limit the ability for the entrepreneur to execute the way they want to. Where mm-hmm. utilizing the crowd and utilizing thousands of investors, there's not one voice, but thousands of voices that work in concert. Now, with that comes great responsibility of because mm-hmm. an entrepreneur needs to look in the mirror and say, are they ready to have three investors <laughs> or 8,000 investors? Yeah. And with it also... <laughs> comes the responsibility of being a CEO with 8,000 investors. You need to execute, you need to communicate, you need to continually update, not only through your regulatory filings, but also communication via IR and other types of matters. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's a pluses and minuses to it. But if the company is on a path to go public and they're planning to go public, there's no reason not to use this methodology. It looks, acts, and feels like a traditional IPO, but gives the ability to communicate, as I said, in a modern world using modern techniques real time versus mm-hmm. going in the old school way of roadshows and institutions and yeah. prospectuses and then retail getting a small sliver. And ultimately, it comes down every deal's the same. Wall Street's known this dirty little secret. The best deals go to the institutions. The worst mm-hmm. deals go to retail in the traditional model. This levels the playing field that everybody's treated equally. There's no wall now. It all comes down, and it truly democratizes public offerings, and that's what we've been able to build. Love it. Democratizing public offerings. I think that's a great way to end this. And, uh, Mark, that being said, if somebody wants to follow up and continue the dialogue, what's the best way for them to do that? best way is visit us at our website, which is digitaloffering.com, where you can email me directly at M Elenowitz, spelled E-L-E-N-O-W-I-T-Z, at digitaloffering.com. Again, that's M Elenowitz at digitaloffering.com. And we'd love to look at your opportunity. We'll tell you quickly whether we think it's a good candidate or not. And we, I really appreciate you having me on the show today, Adam. Thank you. Fantastic. And to our audience, thank you for tuning in. We'll definitely put all that information in the show notes so you can visit Mark over at Digital Offering. And that being said, if you haven't done it yet, hey, hit that subscribe button. What are you waiting for? We got many more mission-based individuals coming up on the line and we don't want you to miss a thing.